Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right. Well, that's uh, the debate last night in a nutshell. Again, it, it seemed as though Hillary Clinton was the one who was prepared for this debate. She seems seemed rehearsed, right? Just, uh, you know, lacking that that kind of personality, that charisma. But at least she seemed prepared. Donald Trump really did not seem prepared at all. And some obvious issues that he knew would come up, he just really did not have good answers for. You know, he really seemed to squirm on the whole issue of uh, releasing his tax returns. Uh, the birther stuff really got him rattled. And even when he raised things like the, the email issue, he, just, he dropped it. He let it go. He really didn't try to pin Clinton down uh, on, on anything. So it was really surprising, I think, in that sense, how unprepared he seemed. Uh, and remember, Donald Trump really seemed to to walk through the Republican field, never really had what, what people thought was a bad debate performance through the whole primaries. Uh, but the consensus last night seemed to be that it was a really bad night for Trump. He really got rattled, and he seemed to get rattled pretty easily. Hillary Clinton really did get under his skin, and it showed. He seemed pretty calm and cool in the opening 10 minutes of the debate, and he just kind of unraveled from there. So not a good night for Donald Trump. Not a good night for Americans, I would say, or political discourse. I don't know that people learned anything in that debate. I don't think there was really any actual policy discussion or anything approaching that in that debate. And a lot of it was about Donald Trump. And he didn't, he didn't handle it very well. And I think what was also awkward for him was the, the obvious lies that he told. Donald Trump has tweeted numerous times, and it's very easy for people to go back and find it, where Donald Trump has said that global warming is a hoax. It was a hoax invented by the Chinese to destroy the U.S. economy. He has tweeted that many times. And then to just flat out deny that he'd ever said it last night, it was just, it was really bizarre. So it was that kind of night. I guess the question, though, is will any of this matter? Were Americans watching this debate last night, trying to figure out which candidates support, trying to make up their minds? Were they just watching it for the spectacle of it all? See whether something crazy would happen. That's the thing here. Does the debate matter? Do debates matter at all? I don't know that they really mattered much in recent presidential elections. This election's different in so many ways. Maybe it matters more, maybe it matters less. We'll take a break here. When we come back, we're going to hear from political scientist Bob Murray. We'll get some thoughts from him on the debate last night and that big question of whether it all matters. It is apparently a very close presidential election campaign, probably a lot closer than it should be, which speaks to Clinton's weakness as a candidate. Uh, But we'll get Bob Murray's thoughts. Some time for your thoughts as well. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. All right, welcome back. Some thoughts on last night's presidential debate, what's supposed to be the first of three. And, you know, it certainly seems that uh, it was uh, a walk for Hillary. It was a rough night for Donald Trump. Now, the polls may or may not reflect that in the coming days. And I guess that's the question coming out of this. Even if it's seen that Hillary had a good night in the debate, 
does it matter? Did she convince anybody to vote for her who's not considering that at the moment? And the polls really have shown that this race has tightened. And I don't understand why Hillary's not running away with it. Other than, obviously, she's not a good candidate. Let's get some thoughts uh, from our friend Bob Murray. He's a political scientist up in Edmonton, a foreign policy wonk as well. Bob, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. All right. Well, I mean, your initial impressions, what, what you saw and heard last night? Uh, in no way surprising. Uh, you know, it was kind of amazing to me to see that there was a lot of commentary that this was somehow going to be a make-or-break debate, that this is somehow going to sway the election. And I had precisely the opposite impression. I really don't think that it mattered much at all. Those that were going to vote for Donald Trump are going to continue to go down that road based on what they saw last night. Those that are going to vote for Hillary Clinton are going to continue to go down that road. I really don't think that this is the style of election that we're used to in the sense that there might be some moderates or undecideds that would watch a debate and say, who is it that I'm going to warm up to? This is a very polarizing election, two competing visions, two competing styles, uh, you know, one completely bombastic, not based in reality or fact most of the time, and preaching a message that isn't really even conservative in Donald Trump and representing the Republican Party, and one uh, that even Democrats are having trouble warming up to, but at least somebody that they see as a known commodity in Hillary Clinton and, and very much that type of establishment candidate. So I don't think last night proved anything new that we didn't already know. Donald Trump was condescending. He made facts up as he went along. He got worse as the debate went on, I thought. Actually, in the first little while, he seemed the closest to presidential I think he's probably seemed. Uh, and that Hillary Clinton was going to try to take the high road and was going to try to remain as calm as possible, though uh, by virtue of Hillary Clinton running as a woman. There's this continual uh, onus on her being placed on her by commentators and by her staff to be more likable, to, to seem to be smiling more and more, which actually you know, I think sometimes works against her as somebody that needs to seem as presidential as possible versus somebody that is unpredictable and unpresidential 90% of the time, uh, despite his claim that his temperament is as greatest asset. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought at times Hillary did seem stilted and rehearsed. I, I think at times, too, the, the smile came across maybe as, as smug or a little too pleased with herself. But by and large, she, she was calm. She did seem in control. And, and what surprised me about Donald Trump, that, that seemed to be his, his obvious task, was to seem calm and controlled and presidential. And he just, he couldn't do it. He started off that way. And then it just kind of came apart from there. Well, bear in mind as well, this is not somebody that to this point is used to being grilled legitimately. Going through the primaries, the moderators, particularly the Fox News moderators, lost control of those debates. You had personal insults being thrown at each other, and that just got into a complete chaotic situation. This is really now the high-stakes game, the professional game, where people are looking for a certain type of composure, and you actually have to defend against the other party what it is that you have been saying in the public realm. Twitter doesn't really count. The, for, the foreign policy forum that NBC did didn't really count because they weren't up against each other, and Matt Lauer really didn't push Donald Trump on many of the claims that he was making. So he was actually pushed on some of the things that he's been saying. And the, what we saw last night is what we could have assumed, which is somebody that has built a multi-billion dollar empire in business does not like being questioned. And upon being questioned more and more and showing the inconsistencies in those policy positions, it really seemed to flap him. And his retort was to fire back immaturely a lot of the time and to really try to interrupt the moderator, interrupt Hillary Clinton. And he made himself look exactly what we kind of know that he is, but he failed in that monumental task, as you said, to look presidential. 
when when the discussion got to foreign policy from from someone looking in from the outside, it, it must seem rather disheartening, I suppose. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know how far the candidates are apart in a lot of things. And you hear Donald Trump uh, bashing NATO. I, I don't know. I didn't really hear Clinton stand, to up, uh, stand up to him on that. I don't know how far apart they are on issues of free trade. And Donald Trump certainly made a point of, of trashing NAFTA. What, what did you make of that? Well, what's really interesting is that to me, as a Canadian watching, we have a stake in this game by virtue of the closeness of our, our relationship with the U.S. And so we do need to be paying really close attention. Where I thought Donald Trump had the most success last night was going after Clinton on her position on free trade and her flip-flop on the Trans-Pacific Partnership. But then he relented. He let her off the hook in trying to explain that, because that would have been a really effective wedge to drive between the Clinton campaign and President Obama, as he's currently trying to push forward with that kind of agreement. With regards to the mission against ISIS, with regards to NATO, with regards to you know basic alliances, the vision for the U.S. in the world moving forward, we did not really see a robust back and forth and two competing visions. And so I think it was a failure on the part of both candidates to be able to differentiate themselves a little bit more clearly, particularly from somebody that's coming from a background as Secretary of State. Foreign policy should be something that she's falling back on by virtue of years worth of experience as Secretary of State that oversaw a great number of different things in the world during her tenure. Also on that note, what's interesting is we didn't see Trump pushing Clinton on Benghazi. We didn't see Trump pushing Clinton on the failures of the Obama administration foreign policy and trying to link her to some of those issues. So again, I think what we're looking at here is this is not, as I said, a, a traditional type of political campaign by any stretch of the imagination. And we're not talking about issues. And that is probably the most disturbing thing, both for Americans and also those in the world that have a vested interest in the outcome of this election, that the serious problems facing the U.S. internally and the world that requires U.S. attention are not being discussed in any robust or, robust or substantive way way. And that is a huge thing that we have to be asking ourselves, regardless of who wins, what is the U.S. going to look like and how is it going to behave on the world stage? Uh, there, there was some talk going into this that, that Trump would take the opportunity uh, of the debate to, to start to articulate what his approach to dealing with ISIS would be, right? There, there was some, he tried to score some points on Hillary because she was directing people to her website and she responded with, well, you know, at least I have a plan. Uh, because I think she is vulnerable on that. I, I think the Obama administration's record on that is vulnerable. But but Trump has created this void where and he's vowing to destroy ISIS, but he he won't explain to anybody how he plans on doing that. Well, it's a super super secretive plan, Rob. If he tells you, then he might tip them off. <laughs> uh, and and that that is actually stuff that he has said. That's not me making fun of him per se. Uh, that is stuff that he has said that he is refusing to reveal his plans because he doesn't want to tip his hand too much. This is also a man that has refused to uh, take the nuclear option against ISIS. Uh, off the table, which is somewhat absurd given the fact that this is formally a non-state actor operating in multiple theaters at one time. So, I mean, there's just no, we know that there's really no plan whatsoever. Those advising Trump on foreign policy have been all over the map on this particular issue, but I think that the greater weakness there is on Hillary Clinton and the fact that she hasn't put forward a strong set of policy proposals, particularly when it comes to these kinds of missions, to really force Trump's hand to have to reveal his plan and to talk about 
the substance and to talk about the issues, particularly those issues that Americans care about. I mean, through Donald Trump's rhetoric, he has demonstrated very clearly that Americans care about what's going on with ISIS, what's going on in the Middle East, and how that affects Americans at home. So if you're Clinton, one of the things that I think would be prudent would be to push his hand to say, fine, how is it that you are actually going to deal with this issue? Here is my plan that is based on the following advice from the following experts in my time as Secretary of State. We still haven't seen that. And I think that gets back to some of what you were talking about in your introductory remarks. A lot of what we're focusing on now is why is this race getting so tight? And a lot of this falls on the fact that Hillary Clinton as a candidate is eminently unlikable, even within her own party. Uh, there have, in the campaign itself, the Clinton campaign itself, I would argue, is just really not very well run. Uh, you know, even now to the point that we are at the end of September, we still don't have a strong, coherent answer to the email situation that has been plaguing Clinton the entire campaign. We saw the run that Bernie Sanders made, though mathematically it was not significant when it came down to the primary math. It was certainly significant in terms of waves of public support to demonstrate that the Democratic Party was not going to be as united behind Hillary Clinton as even Clinton had accounted for. So there are some issues within the Democratic Party. The campaign has done her no favors whatsoever, and being able to build a candidate that people can get excited about, she just seems to be the alternative or perceived as the safe alternative to an increasingly crazy Republican candidate. Yeah, you know, I start to wonder, maybe for some reason they, they want it to be close going into the home stretch, that, that that will motivate their their base more if they, they really do fear a Trump victory, but maybe I'm, I'm giving them too much credit. I think you're giving them way too much credit, and, and frankly, by virtue of having a candidate that does not poll very well at all in terms of likability factor, the last thing you want is this thing to get close, because as the weeks go on, you know, we saw what happened with the public perception when Clinton got exhausted and dehydrated and, and had an episode a couple of weeks ago and questions about her health. I mean, Donald Trump is throwing anything at the wall to see what's going to stick, and any kind of mistake by Clinton or anything that might happen with the Clinton campaign in the next few weeks could spell disaster moving forward because Trump is able to pull close even by saying things that are completely outlandish and making them up. And so if no one's going to hold him accountable on the substance of reality, what is it going to take for the Clinton campaign to actually get through this thing and be able to win and reassure people? I don't think, you know, the popular vote and the polls are showing some of this might be closer. I think when we look at the Electoral College, the math is very different, and Clinton still does have a significant lead there, which is a really important point in how the American electoral system actually works at the end of the day. But by virtue of what we're seeing with the Clinton campaign, and I think this, this was a campaign that took a lot for granted. They really misplayed the media strategy by allowing Trump as much time in the media unchecked by the Clinton campaign as they gave him. And she has only become more and more combative against him in recent weeks and gave him months worth of media attention to be out there as a celebrity candidate, like or hate him, while she laid very low and sticking to the Democratic primary and, and trying not to create a certain aura around herself. The Clinton campaign came out and admitted that might not have been the best strategy, and I think that is affecting them right now. I think it is. Oh, well, the, the next round of polls, I think, are going to be very interesting indeed. Bob Murray, thanks so much for the insight here. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Bob Murray, political scientist, foreign policy uh, analyst uh, up at Edmonton. His thoughts on the debate last night. Uh, we're going to stand down for the 1 o'clock news here, but first, it's time for Great Ideas, brought to you by Park2Go Value Valet. No need to search for an empty parking spot with door-to-door drop-and-go valet service. Reserve and save at park2go.ca. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.